I want to invite us to pray together. Gracious God, as we come together as community, um, some of us uh, knew, some of us have been here some time. We pray that you might hear a word from us, or that we might hear a word from you as we've given our praise to you. Uh, pray that you might speak um, to each of us um, in some way that might help us give to one another and to you more fully. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, our God. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, we're in the middle of a series uh, called The Lead, and we've been talking about community and the ways in which we give to the community or the ways in which uh, we lead in our community broadly, like the community of Kailua and abroad, and then also um, how we lead with one another and we grow in dependence of each other. And, and last week we talked about All Saints Day and how the people that have gone before us have taught us how to live and, and how to lead. And one of the themes is uh, my kind of assumption, so to speak, and it's not just mine, it's an educated one, is that we live in a society that is rampant with what's called isolation. In fact, uh, um, uh, St. Francis, or not St. Francis, uh, Pope Francis had talked about isolation and loneliness being a global pandemic. This isn't just the United States, but I think especially in the United States post-pandemic, we, we are more and more lonely and more and more isolated than we ever have been. I used to talk about on a regular basis, and I brought up this book by a Harvard social theorist. His name is Putnam, and he wrote a book called Bowling Alone and the sort of disintegration of communal spaces. And us here in Kailua have hits home a little bit as our bowling alley just closed not too many years ago. The places that you can gather affordably with other people is not so kind of all around. We have the beach, and that's about it and some parks. And it's been a theme throughout the United States that we've moved into sort of this individual mindset. I grew up in a small town in Minnesota, one where you would think, you know, we would kind of rely on one another for things. You know, back when the town was smaller, it was t more tight-knit and the houses were closer together. But of course, those weren't the places that you wanted to live anymore. You didn't like to live in the apartments. You didn't like to live in the old houses. Instead, you built your house out by the country club or on the new subdivision that just opened up where you can have a big plot of land. You could maybe even put a pool. You can do more in the space. And, and this is a theme not just in my small town in Minnesota. It was part of this movement in the United States called the suburban sprawl. You all heard of that? Yeah? A suburban sprawl that infects here in Kailua that used to be a small, little, quiet, sleepy town. And Natalie Oda, who's one of our uh, saints of our church, who uh, lived in Kailua for so long, would tell stories. Uh, and I remember these stories about how when she first moved to Kailua and how she, her and her husband thought about buying a house in Lanikai. And they're like, what is in Lanikai other than a bunch of pumpkin patches, right? Like it was like there was nothing there. And it talks about the house that they would have bought that got hit by a couple tsunamis along the way and how Kailua was quiet at one point in town, time. Look to your right or left, and you might see one of our kapuna that remembers a time in Kailua that was like this. Of course, now we are, for many, a suburb of Honolulu, with people and the busyness of the Pali and the H3. Suburban sprawl has hit all over the United States. And so, too, has this sort of dependence on one another. 
that, you know, we, we don't, you know, go to the neighbors and get the cup of sugar anymore. We don't do the things that we, we did. And we talked about how Halloween, which was just a few weeks ago, is like the one holiday in the United States where we like are encouraged to hang out and be with our neighbors, right? So I hope you took my advice and I hope you met a new friend or you had a new conversation with someone of that, because this is a way in which we're called to lead in community. Of course, one of the problems is that we live in a transient world, right? I mean, raise your hand if you did not grow up in Kailua, right? <laughs> I know of a couple in our midst that have, but that's about it. And we, especially in Hawaii, especially in Kailua, are in a transient place. My first uh, time as a pastor was in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, which too was a transient community. You had some people who had been there for generations and others, most of the others, were coming in for graduate school and heading out for their careers or stopping by for this period of time in their work. And here too, many of us are like that. Whether it's our veterans that have given themselves to this public service and now are here for a few years and then move on and their families that join them, or, or whether it's some of us that are you know, working for in a contract position that's got a limited amount of time, or others still that found ourselves here at one point in our lives and just couldn't wait to come back when we retired. And as you move around, and if you find yourself in that midst, one of the things that I know that I ask myself, and, you know, I wonder what the place behind thinks of me now, right? I've been a pastor at three different, well, four different churches now, and I wonder sometimes, like, what, was, what, what do they think of me now that I've gone, right? And it's kind of a scary thought because, you know, like those, like, kind of, you know, what are they really thinking of you? And the, that's when the things come out and the, the conversations start happening. I remember I, I remember mentioned I grew up in a small town in Minnesota, and I was involved in this weekend retreat called Teens Encounter Christ. And this was a, like a weekend intensive, not too uh, unfamiliar from a walk to Emmaus, which we do here in Hawaii, uh, but it's for adults. It was for youth, and we gather for youth in southern Minnesota from different parts, mostly rural areas. And I got asked to be uh, on the leadership uh, eventually, like I was the, the rector, they called it, so the lead youth for this event. But before that, one of the things that I did was I was part of the welcome team. How do we make this a welcoming, hospitable place? And one of the things I decided to do was I was a cross-country runner, so we had uh, tights all the time that we'd wear because it was in Minnesota, remember, and it gets cold, so you can't just wear shorts. So I had, I had tights and happened to have some short shorts or a cross-country outfit, and I put a cape on, and I, I called myself blue. I actually didn't call myself anything. I just ran around the church that we gathered in, welcoming every, just be super crazy youth, right? And I just thought it was fun, and I did it for two years in a row, and then kind of I got asked to do leadership, and then I come back like 10 years later, right? And then people were talking about this weekend retreat, and they were talking about Blue Lightning, and who got to be Blue Lightning? It was this like really big deal to be Blue Lightning. I'm like, what are you guys talking about? I don't know. And then they, they, I saw a picture of them, and it was like my outfit was just reincarnated over and over again, and they even came up with a name, Blue Lightning, Right? And then, you know, a few years ago, I was, uh, I think I was just moved to Kailua. So I'd already served at Kilohana in Hawaii Kai. And then I was here and I, I get a package in the mail. And, and I open the package and all of a sudden it's got like 
um, I don't even remember the name of it. It's like a natural organic, like, uh, you know, one of those scrubs, like loofah things. You know, it's like, I forget, it's like the name of like a, a plant that you can turn into that. Someone knows it in this room. But there's a plant that you could do. I was like, what is this? And then I got like some seeds and other things. And then I got a letter and I opened the letter. And there it was from University United Methodist Church, a letter from the people that had been working on this garden that they call the Giving Garden. And the Giving Garden apparently had grown into something that now they're like having produce and stuff. But the story behind it when I was pastor in North Carolina is that we, we got gifted this piece of land, some of the only undeveloped land in Chapel Hill. And I was like, well, it's just going to sit there until we have this like 10-year capital campaign. So we might as well do something good with it. And I'd been working with community partners. And I said, why don't we just do a community garden? And then I knew some of the people that were working with the SNAP benefits and the University of North Carolina, and they were trying to get food for people that needed it. And I was like, let's partner with them, and then maybe we can invite people to you know, work on the garden with us. Of course, like, some of that happened, but it was so early stages. I mean, I was out there tilling the garden myself. Most of the time, it was me that was watering it. I could maybe rally a couple volunteers. I was convinced that when I moved to Hawaii, it would be gone, right? If I was the primary leader of it then and I didn't really set it up really well, I was convinced that it was going to be gone. And then there in front of me here, already two churches passed, was a box that had opened and had turned in. They even had a name for it. They showed me pictures. They had produce. had grown into something. And I wonder, wow, all those times when I think that, you know, like this is going nowhere, this energy is wasted, Right? What's going to happen when I leave? They leave marks. And sometimes they're completely unintentional. Like blue lightning was just me being ridiculous as a high school student, right? I was really trying to make the garden something, but I was convinced that when I left, it was going to fizzle out and go away. In both circumstances, it was not necessarily my doing that made something happen afterwards. But it was something I did initially that I wanted to talk about within the context of community. See, as I mentioned, we live in this world of isolation and this world of extreme individualism. And one of the things I think that feeds that is this consumer mentality, right? This this idea like, what's in it for me, you know? Like, what am I going to get out of this social exchange? And, and when we have that mentality, I think it ends up leading to, I don't know, something that is here for a time and then fizzles away. But when I think about the times in my life that I hope that I've like left a mark, even if I've moved, it's when my mindset wasn't about what I can get, but what I can give right? That when I've left a mark, it wasn't because I was trying to get something from the community. It was I was trying to give something to the community. I was just trying to give joy as a high school student. ended up being blue lightning. I was trying to give to the community and trying to serve the community. I was putting extra hours and trying to do that with the community garden and the work that I was doing. And I didn't control the outcome but I do believe that if I would have like sat back and thought about what can I get more than what can I give, my mark in both circumstances would never be there. It's not just community, though. We all have friends, right? 
you know that friend, you, you call them and everything's like hard and, you know, difficult in their life. And, you know, they might tell you about their story or they might tell you about their kids. They might tell you about their family, might tell you about their job. And then by the time you're done with the conversation, you hang up and you maybe set a time for the next conversation where they're going to tell you about their kids, tell you about their job, tell you about how hard things are going for them. You know, those relationships, or maybe you don't know that you're in them, but eventually you kind of take stock about like what's life-giving for you. And you start to realize that like that friend is really kind of a, a one-sided friend, right? It's just really like what they want from you in that relationship. It doesn't support individual friendships, let alone friendships and communities at large. When we just take and receive and fill me up. And we all know that the best friends are the friends that share vulnerably with you, right? It's not about not sharing. But the best friends share, but they also do what? Ask. Thanks, Bree. And listen. The mutually life-giving, supportive friends are the ones that take, but they also give to you. You know, the people that don't just call you for help hey, can you watch my dog or watch my kid? But the people that are willing to also do that for you. What do you need? How can I help you? It's a simple thing. The scripture reading that we had this morning is from 1 Peter. 1 Peter was a time uh, when the church was kind of like on the outskirts. It had been growing maybe like 65 AD is what we think, or 63. 60, early 60s AD. We don't think that like the great fire of Rome had quite happened, which instituted a bunch of persecution, but we know that they were kind of like this, like, you know, weird Jewish cults, right? Because that's how people viewed them. And, and as, as such, they just kind of like didn't fit in anywhere within the Roman empire or with their own synagogues and Jewish friends. And the, the writer, first Peter, who's taking on this role, right? Peter's the rock of the church, you know, the starter of the community. And the writer is talking about how we should be in community with one another. Of course, he has the language, the end is now, like this is a time when we must give to one another. We must be part of one another. And he uses this phrase like, we're good stewards of this community when we give of the gifts that God has given. The heart of the early Christian community was built upon the people willing to give the gifts that God has given them. Willingness to support one another. That's what the writer of 1 Peter was calling these people to as the time was ending in their minds and the, you know, all the climax and everything that was going to go. They were going to go through the suffering that was to come. And they kind of like were already feeling like they were suffering. And things got way worse for them in the next 10 to 60 years. But the community was built together. And I think one of the things that held the church together was the spirit, not of like, what am I going to get out of it? But how can we give to the community? 
I was an evangelical at some point in my past, and there's nothing wrong with being evangelical, but one of the things that is built within evangelical theology is this idea of like Christ died for my sins, and it's about my relationship with God, and it's about how I connect to the divine, and that's great. And the church from its foundation has also been about this thing called communion, which is the table behind us. How do I relate to God? And how do we relate to one another? How do we commune with one another? How do we give to one another? The church would not be here today if it wasn't filled with people who were giving of themselves rather than people looking to receive something for themselves. Our world, our community, people in your own personal life are looking for people that are willing to give of themselves, to offer that ear. Now, don't get me wrong. We ought to also be people that take stock of those relationships and make sure they're not always one-sided, that we're only giving and we're never receiving. Don't hear me when I'm saying that. But there's plenty of people out there that need someone in their life. Because when you, lots of us get into those relationships where we just kind of receive and their cup is never filled. Uh, last story I'll, I'll share is, um, and I've been reflecting on this as I also think about the church and community is, I'm a soccer coach in my part-time, right? Or I was a soccer coach in my part-time. Now my kids have gotten, you know, in higher leagues and now they're doing club. And so now I like just drop them off, right? Like I, I drop them off and they go on their way and they do it. But like I've been reflecting because uh, Grayson, my middle child soccer team, is a team that's trying to like uh, be the club, not just a team. And so it's uh, AYSO United and they're all throughout the island. And when they play in games, they're going to like mix up players from different practices. And so they're trying to build the spirit of club. And I'm just like, from the outside, like, I don't know anyone. I don't know anyone on this. And friends, I even got myself down the rabbit hole being like, what are they doing? Like, why are they making these decisions? They're really bad. Like, Grayson's not going to be part of a team. And I, started, and I started like going through that mode, right? You know, it's just, it's natural. We want to care for our kids. We want to think about that. And then all of a sudden I started thinking to myself, well, why don't I know anyone? Right? And I realized that when I coach, I know everyone. I know all the parents, I knew like some of their stories, I know the kids' names, the kids know my names, but now I've just been like dropping off and dropping off and dropping off. And so rather than like critiquing that situation, I started reflecting and say, well, maybe I'm not going to coach, but maybe I should, what can I give to this team? How can I support this team? And as I do so, you know what I guarantee? I'm going to get to know some of the people, right? And you can't do it in every place of your life. And in this church community, though, if you walk away from here and you're like, ah, I don't know, and you've been with us for a while. If you're visiting with us, visit. Hope you enjoy, and we'll talk to you. Uh, I'll love to get coffee. We can come grab pub theology. Whatever you want to do, great. If you've been with us for a while and you walk out of the pews and you say, I just don't know my neighbors very well. I don't know their stories. I don't know those things. This is a call to us as well. How are we giving to community? 
even of the church, to one another? How are we giving to the communities that we're involved in beyond this place? I have a dear friend. I didn't ask her if I could share this story, um, so I'm not going to say who it was, but she is involved in so many things, and she is a leader in all of them. And so, you know, we were at the swim meet the other day, and you, like, couldn't go, like, five feet without her bumping into someone and engaging and doing those things. I'm, like, there trying to, like, I still don't know anyone. I'm, like, just trying to get my hours because they make us do hours for kids and, you know, like, try to volunteer enough. And she's, like, running into everyone, and I was reminded of that same fact, right? Here's a person that has met all of her hours in the first month, and she can't get five feet without running into someone. And then me, who, like, doesn't know anyone, but I'm still, like, on my first few hours of trying to volunteer, right? Our world around us needs people to give. The communities around us it's help. It's what fosters relationships. It's what fosters meaning in the community. So when we sit back and we say, what is in it for us? What am I missing out? Or you go down that train of thinking like, you know, those negative thoughts about how everything has changed. My task would be the same that this writer of First Peter. To be a good steward is to use the gifts that God has given you and give them to the community. So I pray that you might do that in your extracurricular life and that we might do that together. Because my fervent belief is that the kingdom of God or the church is not the same when it's missing all of its pieces. And each and every one of us have an indelible piece that God has given you and your gift helps complete our puzzle. But only if you give it. And only if you offer it. And you might think to yourself, well, I got all these questions. I don't know about this. Come to Pub Theology. That's what we're doing on Tuesday night. Let us know. And the questions are, are part of the gift. Seriously. The questions are part of the gift. The questions that we're going to be exploring is, what is Scripture? And if you don't know what it is, Welcome right? Because I'll tell you what, I don't know what it is. It's not a piece of paper written by God and handed to people. The questions are what makes the beauty. Your personality, your jokes, your gifts of service, your mind, your body, all of it is a gift. And according to the beginning of the church is one that we must steward well and offer to the community. I invite you to pray with me. Holy and gracious God, in an increasingly individualized world, we pray that you might provide us opportunities to share our gifts, to share our personalities. Even when we think we're too old or too young or too temporary or too in need. That you might help us live into these mutually benefiting relationships with one another, with you, with the church, and with the broader community and world. 
that when people look upon Kailu United Methodist Church, they might see us as people willing to serve and to engage and to be in meaningful relationship and help that be true for each and every one of us. Amen.